Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. And with me from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk. Matt, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. The You could be the Mjolnir to my god, I guess. But then, then I'm kind of saying I'm a god, which is totally wrong. It's not like Ghostbusters. Actually, it is like Ghostbusters. Am I a god? No. Uh, I, I'm doing very well, my friend. I digress then. I'm doing well. It's really, really hot in the UK. Long-time listeners know we always talk about the weather to start with. Lest it just be an icebreaker, it's something which bonds us more than uh, anything other than movies. It's really hot. So, listeners, if you can hear birds chirping outside, uh, please don't be alarmed. It's just the beautiful English ambient background noise uh, from my recording space here. But, you know, I'm doing okay, my friend. I've uh, had a busy, busy old uh, last five or six days. So it's quite nice to be able to sit down, chill out, have a cup of tea and speak to you, my friend. But before we go any further, I must know, uh, are you doing well? Are you keeping Florida safe and well? Oh, yeah, you know, doing my thing. Um, went to lunch with some friends today and uh, had some, some fa, or Ooh, not I always yet. say fo, but, uh, you know, um, yeah, I always say it wrong is what the answer is, but I always eat it <laughs> right. Um, I, I love it. Uh, it was a good lunch. Um, and then I was going to go to Starbucks on the way uh, home books. before coming here, and it was real busy. So I uh, went to Dunkin' instead, um, yeah. but got a nice cold brew here with me, which I'm enjoying, because um, it is hot here in yeah. Florida. As it's probably it hotter over is. there than it is here, but I think Monday, in a couple about six days' time, it's going to be inching that 100 degrees Fahrenheit over here. There's been a weather warning. It's going to be about 97, 98, so I am going to be a Floridian for the day next week. Yeah, it's 95 right now, but it feels like 104, um, according to my weather app. Uh, you can keep that. <laughs> Yeah, I am. I don't want it. Um, anyone can take it if they would like it. Uh, it is very uncomfortable, but yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but you know, just uh, I'm on summer break. Um, but it's it's you know, uh, it's it's going so fast. It's already the middle of July. Um, here. When do you go back? I I go back on. I think. Uh, it's the whatever the Monday is, so maybe October first. Uh, not October, Jesus Christ! I wish October, August, August first. Um, oh Christ! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we were back. Uh, we got out much earlier this year than normal. Yeah, wow. August first is a Monday, so yeah, we go back on August first. Um, I know this only because orientation is on that Thursday, so like I know that we have to be there usually three days before that. Um, and. Uh, yeah, you know, it, that's way too soon. Uh, it's only two weeks left of vacation. I just realized that I'm going to cry a little. Um, and it what makes it harder to me this year is what this show is. Is It's the middle of July, and um, our local theater is a Regal. And we have the Regal Unlimited, but they also do, like, Regal Rewards. They have the Crown Club card where we get, like, points and you spend money. And this year, 2022... Uh, to try to get people back in the theaters, they have these uh, reward targets. Like if you see 10 movies, you get this many extra points. And if you see this many movies and I'm like laughing, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to see all the movies. So I'm going to hit all of these extra point tiers. It's going to be pretty great. And I, I it's July and I am at 25 movies. I think I've seen at the theater because that's all that there's been. Like for me to at my local theater, because we don't get a lot of the indies here. So like if it's not a major blockbuster, yeah, we usually don't get it. I think I've missed I've missed a couple of movies. Like I didn't see RRR, which I am going to regret forever. 
Um, I have seen it. I watched it on Netflix, so yeah. And I almost went to see it at the theater, and it was like three hours. So I was like, I, I just couldn't fit it into my schedule, and I will regret it forever because it was right here. We never get movies like that at the theater. I can't. I'm still not sure why we got RRR. I, I hope we get future uh, movies from India, whether it's Bollywood or Zollywood or Tollywood. How long was that being uh, shown at your theater? I think two weeks too, and I, I really okay. dropped the ball. Something else happened during that time though that I was not here for one of those weeks. It was something weird. Like there was something going on. Um, I skipped memory, the Liam Neeson movie. I think we had that for a couple of weeks. I didn't go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, or it was blacklight. It was one of the Liam Neeson movies that came out. I can't remember which one. one the, of them. The, um, I didn't see that. There's a couple of things I skipped, but for the most part, I've seen everything that's come to our theater. And the fact that we're in the middle of summer and like, basically I haven't had a reason to go. I still haven't seen minions. Uh, that's the only thing I haven't seen. Um, <sighs> Apparently, and, apparently that's quite good. I, I I joke and I jest to make the noise, but apparently it's pretty decent. I've spoken to many people. I can count on two hands at least. I can count on two hands, guys, who said it's better and more fun than Lightyear was, which isn't shade at Lightyear, but if you'd asked me pre-release of both of them, I would have probably quite comfortably said, I think Lightyear will be the better film, but now I'm not so sure hearing that. I think Lightyear is still the better film. I think most people maybe didn't get what they wanted from Lightyear. Lightyear is yeah. a, it's a drama that's animated. Um, so it's not the cutesy, goofy minions type comedy, you know, um, where I think minions lives up to a kid's movie. I think it, it's going to very much deliver that premise that this is a movie for children. It's going to have fart jokes. It's going to have dumb, stupid bits and things like that. For children, Buzz Lightyear, <laughs> yeah, but, um, I, and I, I, the only reason I haven't seen it, it's not a protest. Uh, I'm actually not a huge fan of the despicable me franchise. I you actually like yeah, yeah. minions a, enough. I thought it was funny. I didn't like, I'm not like, it's a masterpiece, but I, I had a fun time watching that movie. I'm usually pretty lax with, uh, kids animated films. As long as they make me laugh, I'm usually content. The only reason you haven't gone is because your gentle minion suit hasn't come back from the tailor yet. Don't lie. Yes. I don't want to be the one adult alone. <laughs> <laughs> in a theater full of families. Um, and so I usually hold off on seeing it till it's worn. It's welcome. Usually there's several kids movies during the summer. So after two weeks or so, everyone's yep. taking their kids to see the other movie. That has not been the case this no. year in any way. Like there, there's just so few movies coming out. Um, and that's what makes the summer feel like it's not a summer. Like usually block. I mean, granted this is two years after the, the pandemic started, we're we're used to the summers being a little light, um, at least in the last couple of years. But I still remember going to the theater during the summer being like every weekend you got three or four yeah, movies that you could go choice, watch. Weren't you? And well, yeah, I, well, I thought that because of the pandemic, I've said on this show many times in the last year that we're going to get that bottleneck effect. And 2022 is going to be stacked. And you know, to start with, it was. And I think towards the end of the year, we get a little bit more. But yeah. I assumed that the summer was going to be, was going to, again, would be sport for choice. You'd be like a kid in a candy store. But, you know, things are being pushed back into 2023 now. And I don't want to say that yeah. that year is going to be stacked. But I did expect oh. this summer to be slightly more uh, filled with uh, choice at the theatre. I mean, this coming weekend, we're getting two movies at the same time. And neither of them are big blockbusters. Um, cause we're, I think we get, uh, we get the crawdads movie, yep. whatever. And then I think we're getting, um, pause of fury as well. Um, yes. And that, 
I feel like Pause of Fury might be a same day streamer somewhere, but I could be wrong on that. But I feel like they maybe are Paramount. Um, none of them are going to be. None of them are going to be big hitters at the box office, and we know no. that a film's quality isn't always measured by the success of the box office. Transformers, no. Fast and Furious, but those two films aren't necessarily going to you know get people salivating to go to the theater or at least the masses where the crawdads sing. Uh, yes, we've seen the initial reviews and friend of the show. Big Tuna isn't particularly a fan of that film. However, um, I'm quite looking forward to it. We said off air, all of the ingredients are there. And maybe, maybe John will we'll have to speak about it in the next week or so. Maybe we'll like it enough. But um, <laughs> anywho, we're not here to talk about the state of theaters. That's just something that we do a lot. And, it, you know, it is a summer related question. We're, we're covering the summer movies as we yep. cover the newest film. That's what this show is. Um, by the way, if you happen to like this show the bloody awesome movie podcast you know that because you're already listening you've probably hit that subscribe button please do if you haven't yet but the other thing you can do for us is rate and review the show because it does help other people find us and you know uh we would love to have new listeners if you are a new listener hey welcome to the show um we we cover new films and this week we're here to talk about thor love and thunder uh directed by taika watiti Written by Taika and Jennifer Caton Robinson. I don't know if I said Caton right. It seems right. Um, we got some big names in this movie. And of course, if if you're watching Thor Love and Thunder, it's probably safe to assume you've seen the other three Thor films and probably a few of the Avengers films. Maybe not. Maybe this is your first entry. Just in case, if you didn't know, Chris Hemsworth is here to play Thor again. <gasps> uh, Natalie Portman's returning as Jane Foster. Um, Christian Bale making a debut as Gore the God Butcher. Tessa Thompson returning as Valkyrie. Uh, Jamie Alexander. I don't understand why she's so highly billed because she is barely in, in this movie. Yeah. But, she's uh, in it, but she's in it. Good That's job. not a spoiler necessarily, but she's in it. Yeah, it's not a spoiler, but man, what a wasted use of a character. Uh, yeah. She's been Sif for uh, two of the Thor movies. Uh, she was absent in Ragnarok, as were a lot of the cast, um, and shows up here in a... Uh, it's so... I'm so irritated by it. Taika returning as Korg. Uh, yes, the director is an actor, but he's just a voice actor. I don't know if he's doing the mocap for the, the guy or not. Probably not. Um, and then Russell Crowe almost left him off this list because I was thinking, like, that's the major cast. Russell Crowe's not in it much. But boy, does he earn his spot on that l- list of credits right there. Um, at least in my opinion. Mm. Uh, this synopsis is kind of trash. But Thor enlists the help of Valkyrie korg and his ex-girlfriend jane foster to fight gore the god butcher who intends to make the gods extinct i mean it's not wrong it's just it's not the best but uh non-spoiler though i guess (laughs) a a little not much a little bit um (laughs) 67 rotten tomatoes so in the positive 57 meta score people are very mixed on this movie 6.9 imdb user score a 3.3 on letterboxd uh, this is currently only in theaters, although I'm sure at some point it will be on Disney Plus uh, sooner than later. Uh, Doctor Strange is already on Disney Plus, so that was yes. what a month and a half. It was in theaters before it hit Disney Plus, I think. So I would say probably September we're going to have this uh, in Disney Plus. Um, I'd go along with that. Now that's, that's a guess, listeners. So don't don't hold me to that. Um, I don't work for Disney, but I. Uh, I like the first Thor film. I actually like Dark World. Dark World? Dark? That's Thor the Dark World? Thor more the than Dark most. World. I like it more than most. It is often cited as one of the worst MCU films, and it is in my bottom five for the MCU films. 
but I didn't mind watching that movie. And to be fair, the only MCU film that I really didn't like, and I've only seen once, is Iron Man 2. I, I never got into that movie. I found it really boring and i love iron man and i love iron man 3 so 2 i've just not gone back to maybe i would enjoy it more if i did how often do you go back to watch those first two thor films just out of interest i have not gone back to dark world i think i've only seen dark world once i've seen the first thor a couple of times um okay. but it's been a minute no, Kenneth Branagh, of course your favorite oh i, I i'm not as harsh on Brana as some others, but yeah, uh, it, it definitely has the Kenneth Brana of it all. Uh, there is some, which I, I think works in that film. I think it, that gravitas that he kind of brings to everything, the seriousness I think works in that first store. Um, especially now looking back at it, I think uh, the way Taika has broken down this character and turned it into more of a comedy uh, Ragnarok is my favorite of the of the Thor franchise, still including Love and Thunder. I think Ragnarok is still better. I I mm-hmm. had a I had a much better time overall um, with Ragnarok. I like Love and Thunder. Um, I'm I'm very up on it. I'm definitely but but what I think we need to take into consideration when you look at those critic scores is the general attitude about rom coms from critics, and yep. they're lukewarm. And this is a rom-com through and through. Like, they, it is playing on tropes of that genre hard. And I love that genre. I know that genre very, very well. It's something I have studied both academically, but also as just a fan of the genre. And the the jokes that come out of that that knowledge of the genre are really good. There are some jokes in this movie that do not land. I think there's a lot of one-liners that don't work. Uh, Sif, the whole interaction with Sif, I think, is, is terrible. Um but the thing that I really was surprised by was how great of a villain this movie has. Uh, now, not surprised by Christian Bale's ability to be a tremendously talented actor. I think everyone who's seen a Christian Bale movie knows how good he is. Um, I knew nothing of Gore the God Butcher. I, I literally had to look him up when they announced he was the villain. I, I've never read the comics that he's in. I've actually, I don't think I've ever read a Thor comic at all. Maybe oh, one I or two. I have I know that. Yeah, not a character I was ever drawn to. I, re- I remember being a kid when he's in Adventures in Babysitting. Like, that was the first time I'd ever, like, what's Thor? Like, here's a guy, Thor. I'm like, why is this kid into Thor? That's lame. Um, and I, I never really got into Thor. Um, the movies have won me over. Hemsworth has won me over. I love Hemsworth. I think he is hilarious. And I think this movie does a decent job of balancing tones that I can totally see someone disagreeing with my stance on that. Like I can see someone saying these tones are so at odds because the gore, the God butcher stuff is brutal. And I think the movie does work around that. And I think the lesson that the film offers is really powerful. And I think it gets there. I think it achieves what it's going for. I think it's sloppy at times. And from what I've heard, I actually hadn't seen this interview, but I heard there's an interview with Taika and Tessa kind of dissing the look of this movie like that like the visual effects are bad and i haven't heard that or seen that i haven't seen it i was told that that exists i've not verified it so if i'm wrong apologies but it it the the way it was told to me sounded like one it was a few people saying they'd seen it and then two it sounds to me like because i think the criticism i was hearing there was that like they shouldn't talk bad about these people who are working but i'm like but the thing is they probably don't have a lot of final say in when things have to come out. Like it's this big machinery pumping this product out. It's, and it's Disney, I would, man. 
I, I would venture to say Taika would have probably like let's let's delay the the release and let's get this where it looks right. But he probably didn't have that power um, because, like you said, it's the Disney of it all, and that is part mm-hmm. of the problem with MCU. I think there's plenty of examples throughout the MCU where the the visual effects don't look top tier. Black Panther that's one of the biggest criticisms of that film. Uh, Thor Ragnarok actually the opening fight at the beginning of that movie when there's like a thousand demons looks terrible. Um, I actually didn't have the issues uh, with the visuals in this movie. I, I mean, did it look artificial at times? Yeah, but it's like God mm-hmm. man, It's like, of course it looks artificial. I, I didn't have that thing. There is a sequence in this film that I think is one of the coolest visuals in all of the MCU franchise. Though I think there is a, I won't go into the details of why, but there is a black and white sequence that I think is phenomenal. Gotcha, yeah. And I don't think there's anything that can stand to it visually in the MCU except for that and i think it's like a kind of flexing his film knowledge like he's a he's a better filmmaker than maybe we would think him for because mm-hmm. he's so heavily associated with comedy um and while i think comedy is a brilliant craft i do think it often gets looked down upon from the the critical community and i think that's that's uh you know it's this like floity-toity arrogant attitude that maybe we shouldn't have like everything doesn't have to be so serious like you can have serious craftsmanship built into comedy i mean look at chaplin look at keaton um yes. and it, and it not get the respect that it deserves because it's funny and I, i've never been a fan of that i've always been making someone laugh is very very hard it is a, an art in and of itself and this movie succeeds in that many times there are some duds uh some of the jokes are a little you know on the nose and i think there's some stuff it, that feels rushed in those in the story like there's some stuff that maybe needs a little more attention or a little more development um all because there's it's it's moving like at such a pace and this is one of the shortest mcu films this is under two hours by like one minute i think it's like i think it's like an hour uh, or 119 minutes or something like that like it's just mm-hmm. under the two hours um and especially in the recent runs of the mcu films right we've been hitting the two and a half hour mark since uh infinity war oh. so um I, I like this overall. I like the rom-com of it. I do think there's some choppy stuff. There's things that could definitely be tighter. Um, but it did a lot it, for me uh, it, to make me enjoy it. And I, I've seen it twice. I saw it at a critic screening, and then I saw it again. Um, and I enjoyed both both viewings. I actually maybe even had more fun the second time around when I, I knew what to expect. Um, I think all the performances are great. I really think uh christian bale has brought one of the best villains in the mcu though um i I think thor that love or hate the movies we got loki and gore the god butcher from the thor franchise and i think those are two of the best villains that the mcu has offered us but what did you think about uh love and thunder man i'm so i'm I'm very interested every time we talk marvel because i am clearly the marvel Mm -hmm. uh fanboy i puff this up maybe too much often um what did you think about love and thunder um, well, I really liked Thor Ragnarok. I was very vocal on that. I thought that was great. I thought Taika Waititi's blend of action, humour and comedy in that film worked really, really well. And as for the first two Thor films, I do subscribe to uh, preferring Thor over Thor The Dark World. Uh, they're two yes. films I don't often go back to rewatch. But So this film... Uh, I got, I went in uh, expecting it to be, I, I kind of knew what to expect because it's a Taika Waititi film, but the trailers were so uh, like bonkers, especially with the Guns N' Roses heavy themes in the trailers or the metal themes, uh, along with the kind of title font and the graphics for this film. I wasn't entirely sure 
what kind of ride we were going to go on. And I like Taika Waititi. I like pretty much everything he's done that I've seen. The only thing I haven't seen, I think, is um, uh, what we do in the shadows. Had to think about it. Then the vampire. Oh, that was so good. That's the thing I haven't. That's the one I haven't seen. Everything else I've seen, uh, and I've and I've enjoyed. No, it's not, not one of his things I've seen. Where I thought Ooh, that was rubbish. And yeah, the film. This film's getting mixed reviews, and I'm on the fence about this film. I mean, up top, I, I enjoyed this film. I'll say that this isn't going to be a negative, negative review. I did have fun with Thor: Love and Thunder, but so many things I find myself conflicted on, including some of the things that you said, JB. Um, firstly, the performances. I think the performances in this are fine. I think Chris Hemsworth has settled into his role as the kind of aloof, arrogant, confident, almost like goofball. But I, I, I wasn't entirely feeling at this time. I wasn't sure if it's starting oh. to run its course because there's no, for me, there's no development. Yeah, there are emotional stakes in this film. And, you know, Thor gets a couple of moments where he gets to, you know, talk to, to characters and have some more emotional moments. But I don't really see the development in this character. Uh, Natalie Portman is, I think she was actually surprisingly very good. And I, and I say that not because she's not a good, good actress. She's one of my favorite working actresses, but I wasn't Natalie Portman for the most part seems to veer away from projects like this. And I, yeah, I was really worried that she wouldn't bring her a game as much. And I think she's good. Tessa Thompson is good for the short shrift that she gets in this film. Yeah. But Christian Bale though. Christian Bale, he is very good. I think Christian Bale is excellent as Gore, the God Butcher. I, however, don't think he's that good of a villain. The reason being that I, I, his, his motives, I understand, but we don't really see enough of him. It, there's just, in terms of, you know, doing what his name suggests, there's a lot of walking very slowly, kind of wide-eyed, head-tilting, um, and a few jokes here and there, but... I didn't at any point fear this villain. I didn't think at any point we were given any reason to think, oh man, this guy really means business. We're told him, we're told him we've got to feel that. But I didn't feel oh. any sense of dread when he was That's around. Now that scene you mentioned w- visually, the where, where we lose our color. Fantastic. Fabulous. And I totally agree with you that and I think, I don't think Tyker gets his due as a filmmaker. There's a few transitions in this film, which I thought were excellent. Actually, um a few a few pan ups from one scene to another which are done really well um taika taika knows how to make a good film he knows how to craft a good film he knows how to write good gags not all of them work here however i I agree with you there and i am on this on the boat that i do think in this film the gags do sometimes come out of nowhere when they don't need to be so even the ones which there there's one or two which were poorly placed which i did uh, I will admit I did giggle at involving some goats. Uh, I've the seen a lot are, of hate for the goats, but I you thought, love or hate the goats. Like, I it's, thought they were they were stupid as anything, but I yeah. loved them. And I laughed every it, stupid time. They exactly. There's one moment, like a really kind of pivotal moment, and then it's kind of undercut by the goats. I was like, okay, I shouldn't laugh, but I will. I do think that at times the the humor doesn't work as a moment where cork is singing and i thought well this none, none of this is working none of this is working the choice of song isn't great um and it's the karaoke under, thing yeah and after me it undercuts the moment that we were trying to have which it also finally, feels like sorry go on it, well i i agree with you and also though it doesn't feel like they stick to the bit like it feels like they fr- they drop the bit in the middle of the scene exactly like, so it's, it's like just they, yeah. should have cut that out yeah it, it's 
I there's I haven't read why, but like I saw Taika said there's not going to be a YTT cut, but apparently people are like calling for a director's oh, cut. He, he said he hates director's cuts. He, he literally says that he's every, every director's cut he's seen he hates because so well, I don't know directors said, shouldn't be allowed to cut their own films. He says. And yeah, and I wonder if like if he had said like I wouldn't have left this in or something. I wonder what spawned people thinking that there was a cut that you know that would be different. And I I do think some jokes and stuff maybe got left in that shouldn't have, and that that was one of them. And I was okay with that. Like, um, I was okay with the karaoke bit if it played out, but they they literally drop it. You know, yeah, like it, it goes back to it goes back to the 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 moment we were at before, which was again a time for the film to have the, that a moment like it was given us an emotional moment which and even then i i do think at times the emotion that taika was going for here did feel a bit trite it did feel a bit surface level and it, the my biggest problem with the film is it would seem like a lot of people have i do think it was tonally at odds with itself you've got you know the the big the intro which i thought was a lot of fun with thor uh, you know his action scene i thought that was a lot of fun there's lots of color then you've got gore which is you know very kind of grumpy um dark angle and then you've got um uh, things involving russell crowe's character uh there's subplots which every film has you know many subplots but they seem to be at odds of each other i don't think this was taika's most accomplished bit of filmmaking yeah. but so that being said though jb i did have fun with this film i laughed at a few moments like the moment with sith there's me saying that you know there, there's a time and a place for jokes there's one line she says it's a curse word so i can't repeat it where i did giggle to myself but it was the delivery of that line um I think that, you know, the Gore, the God Butcher, his kind of minion of shadow creatures, I don't care about them. They're just indistinguishable, you know, as same as what the, the gods have yeah. their kind of, I'm not going to go to That's spoilers, com- but they have. Common complaint of MCU. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they, they have their, you know, uh, tr- allies or troops, which are this like battle droids in the prequels. They're there to be taken out um yeah there, there's a lot i did like about this film I, you know i don't want to decide in uh, some some of the action was very good i do think when the jokes were good they were very good the majority of the musical cues were very cool um i like taika's voice uh, I, well actually i like his you know, actual speaking voice but i do like his voice in these films and all, all of his films he has a style and you know it's a taika waititi film and i've seen people online crying about oh now I, i'm worried about his star wars film just get off the boat. This, you know, this the MCU and that, that Taika Waititi CV stands for itself. I'm not going to go into that, but his resume stands for itself. We, you know, it stands up to scrutiny. Thor: Love and Thunder isn't a bad film. I just think it's not the best of the MCU films I've seen recently. And it seems to continue the thread of seemingly unconnected stories in what is the most connected universe out there. I'm starting to what? feel like there's less cohesiveness and, and i'm not going to go into the post credit scene i know they're setting things up but oh, oh is it just me or, or does things start to just feel a little I, bit not disconnected but then it's not quite as tight as the first three I'm phases wondering if maybe we've made a mistake in that assumption i don't mm-hmm. know that the film audience in general should be assuming that all of the films are going to be connected if we look at the mcu as a comic book yep there are we know other heroes exist in the same universe, like in this MCU universe. And we knew when they started with event with Iron Man, we were going to get an Avengers movie. We were told yes. that 
at the end of Iron Man with the post credit scene, right? When they started the stinger trend. So we, we've assumed that this run is going to get some big culminating thing. And we know at some point secret war is going to happen. Yep. One of the things that we often complained about, especially if you go to the critical complaints of these movies is that they always felt like they were setting up another movie and not worried about the movie at hand. And now these movies are slowly starting to feel like they are not setting up other movies. <laughs> now we're complaining about that. And now we're complaining about that. And I think... Um, I think it's because they've set their own precedent within their own universe. I think it's what it is, is that for 23 films, maybe, well, everything was connected. And it just feels like a bit of a, a 180 now know, that they aren't as much. We know they are still connected because we were told when, when they started Disney Plus TV series that we were going to need to watch those two or we wouldn't yes. know what the hell is going on. And that has proven to be very true. The shows have bled into the movies very much. Um, not as much as we thought. Like there's stuff that we definitely thought we would have got from the multiverse of madness that we did not get from Loki. And, um, you know, I, I kind of expected something from Loki in this movie and there's nothing, nothing about what happened in Loki is tied to this movie at all, which makes sense in the bigger MCU of it all. But nevertheless, still nothing, there are no ramifications from that. Um, Mm -hmm. If you remove Guardians from this movie, which I we didn't even mention that they're in this movie for yeah, five seconds. They're in the trailers prominently. They're literally only in this movie to be connected to the bigger MCU, right? Like, that's the <laughs> yeah, only yeah. reason they're there. You cut that, you, you could have just had Thor, literally Thor does everything in the sequence that they're in. So you don't yeah. even need the Guardians, like, at all. And honestly, Chris Pratt kind of phones it in, in my opinion. Like, it's it, the most, anything, like... It also underpowers the Guardians as well. I know they're obviously, they're, they, you know, Thor is a god, but yeah. it does kind of make them out it to does. be, you know, a bunch of clowns. Unnecessary, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you don't need them. Um, but they're only in this movie to, one, I, it's a loose end from Endgame. Um, yes. But also, uh, because we're that's the only reference in the movie not counting post credits, the only reference in the movie to the existence of other heroes outside of them, like throwing off, like there's a, uh, infinity gauntlet ice cream shop, which by the way <laughs> is really messed up because yes. it would be like having like a nine 11 ice cream shop. Like you're like, Hey, you kids what that gauntlet stands for and what it did. You're, it is. Yes. You, do you remember when 50% of you blipped out of existence for a little you while? We have an died. ice cream shop. Remember, remember that? All, all of them, you know, your grand, everyone. And the, yeah, they you, mention the name Thanos, you know, they do you think the ice cream shop, shop is 50% off all the time. Oh. Um, anyways, so I hope they've got like an infinity kind of um, ice cream where you get the different colors of the stones in one little bowl. Baskin Robbins, like infinity flavors. Uh, You've got to know, you know that they're thinking about that. You know, they've, they, they're thinking about something. I'm surprised they haven't cashed in on that so far, but I've got two things for you, JB. Yes. Uh, one again, again, we don't do spoilers on this, but I am going to say three words and they are Russell Crowe's accent. Uh, Russell Crowe, once again, I know it's a, get a bit of a joke, but I'm not entirely sure what was coming out of his mouth. And secondly, this might be controversial, John, because I know it's adapted from the comic books. Uh, I've seen a lot of people who don't seem to be aware of that, but uh, Natalie Portman's character, uh, Jane Foster, he's seen her in the trailers as the Mighty Thor. Yes. Is she just basically a, f- a foil for Thor just to get around his own issues? Is that all she's in this film for? Huh. Um... I mean, that was the thought I got during it is that I was like, I, I'm not, I, I, I know it's adapted from the comics and I, as far as I'm aware, they've done it fairly faithfully, especially in how she gets her powers. But it did kind of feel a bit like she was just there 
in order for Thor to firstly look a bit manly, but secondly to deal with his own stuff, you know, at the, yeah. at the consequence of what we I, had. I don't think you can deny that because um, she doesn't really have a uh, an arc, I guess. Um, like it's not to say um, she doesn't yeah. learn or change or anything, but well, it, she. Well. She is there for conflict, um, in a in a in a friendly way, but like it's it's a romance conflict, right? Like it's the breakup yeah, story, it's the rom-com, yeah. And it, it, the movie is called Thor: Love and Thunder, and it is a Thor perspective. Which obviously, uh, if we want to get into representation in the MCU, it is a very white male dominated franchise, uh, mm-hmm. and they've they've done they've made leaps in changing that. But look how long it took Black Widow to get a movie, and um. You know, so even though she's been in the example. MCU since Iron Man 2. Um, you know, and then, yes, we got Black Panther and uh, the Eternals has a lot of representation. Shang-Chi, mm-hmm. yep. we get some representation. But if you look at the 30 movie franchise, we listed four movies um, that are not a white male lead. Um, yes, still playing catch so, up. Uh, you are going to have that issue, I think, here because it is not Jane Foster's story. Jane Foster has not been actively in the MCU for a couple of movies so much so that when she does appear in Endgame, I think, or Infinity War, she's in one of those. Um, I think it's Endgame. Um, uh, it's, yeah, it's Endgame when they're going back. But it's, yep. I believe it's you, it's recycled footage from the Dark World. It is not uh, new. Yes, it's recycled or from a uh, recontextualized, yeah. Yeah, so it's not... Natalie Portman didn't return to do that. In other words, um, it's the Crispin Glover effect. Um, so yeah, it's... It's definitely, uh, I, it's, it's problematic, <laughs> but it's, it's problematic of a bigger issue within Hollywood, right? Like when your yeah, protagonist, this isn't a Marvel issue. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sitting here saying a Taika, what a, what an awful man or Kevin Feige lets off of his head. It's not, 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 not at all. Like you say, it's, it's emblematic I, I also of don't, I don't think they make her a MacGuffin though. And I think that's meaningful. Like she does have value. There are, um, I, I wouldn't be for sure if it would pass the Bechdel test, but there are scenes with her and, and Valkyrie talking, and I don't believe they're exclusively talking about Thor. Um, um, the majority but, of time, but yeah. Yeah. So that's, I, I think it would be like, it's probably, if it passes the Bechdel test, it's by a hair, right? <laughs> it's by 0.1%. Um, because, you know, I don't mean to drag you know, that through the mud or all the good work no, that the MCU and Fugger have been doing. Up for sure. It, I, I did I, think that her arc went from having puppy eyes to having you know going doe-eyed that was pretty much the arc towards the end but when it came to looking at thor i mean to be fair if i had to ap- uh, act opposite chris hemsworth cool i mean that, that's that's a very handsome buff gentleman it's like doing a podcast opposite john burke so i kind of get what she's feeling but um yeah that's the that's the feeling i got but i'm i'm glad to see natalie portman return to the franchise i'm glad to see that she was game for it she had some decent comedic lines and most of the the film's you know bigger more meaningful moments uh centered or focused around her character so she wasn't a wasted character per se but i did kind of feel when i was watching that that you know this felt a bit like a foil yeah i don't i i can't i can't argue against that so um you know, I, as well as Valkyrie as well. I can't really go into it without spoilers, but there's one line that Valkyrie says which made me shudder, which I'll mention in the spoiler episode. Okay. Yeah, um, Val- there, there's a lot crammed into this movie, and I think that is also part of the problem, right? Because there is an yeah, yeah. element that's about building your team, but it's not about the team. It's about one man finding people that he can support him and his needs, and that 
is problematic and also emblematic of of the <laughs> patriarchy of Hollywood, right? Like it is like yeah, yeah. That's the perspective. It's like, what can you do for me? I wonder. Can you make me feel like I'm not alone and better? Oh, thank you. You know, um, mm-hmm. it, it's egotistical, but that kind of plays into the character, right? Like Thor is, oh yeah, arrogant and egotistical. He's being played, but but guys, I I did enjoy this film. Was it my favourite MCU film, which is kind of like the, the cliche thing to say? No, no, it wasn't. It was, wasn't one of the worst ones. I, I, I prefer Thor Ragnarok to this. I think that was a more complete film. This feels more like a... For me, it feels like more of a collection of sequences which are kind of, you know, thrown together and, you know, they kind of... kind of Some kind of work, some don't. They're at odds of each other at times. They really do work. But, you know, I, I'd give it a decent seven out of ten of us forced to give it a number so i i do enjoy this i just find myself at odds you know when i find a positive i can't help but sometimes find a uh, a kind of semi-negative along along the way as well i i wanted more from this film i think that's an important part of the critical process we're not supposed to act like something has to be perfect like it's acknowledging the flaws and uh, talking about why we feel like they are flaws. Like, you know, cause like, obviously it's subjective. What doesn't work or doesn't click for us or what stands out to one of us may not stand out to the other, but it, it's definitely worth the discussion. And yeah, of course, yeah. Um, yeah uh, you know, we, we like these movies, but they're, they definitely, uh, we've seen a lot of them. And as noted, it's hard to tell, are we supposed to be looking at them still as a whole or are we supposed to be taking them individually now? Because before it was a whole and now it's yeah. like, maybe not. Maybe we should be looking at these as individual films. And I think that's a better way to go mm-hmm. um, because you are able to get these you know, ranging swings. Like Doc- Dr. Strange didn't work for us. It worked for a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. I love Shang-Chi. I actually think I w- I've been wanting to rewatch Shang-Chi and I haven't gone back to it um, yet, but uh, I've maybe also seen we'll a go lot back of- at the end of this phase and think, Do you know what, actually now we've got the whole picture or oh, when we get to phase six, maybe I know that's mm. bad, but it, we, we know this isn't a, an ongoing story and it's, a, it's, you know, whether it's loose or not, it's a connected narrative. Maybe when we go back, when we've seen how this plays out, when we get to the secret wars, for example, we can look back and think, huh, they really did set things up. They just did it in a more subtle way or kind of more, less, less winky and noddy and more, let's just tell our story and develop it from there rather than, uh, I do feel that in the first few phases that, I mean, Feige said every filmmaker was told they have to hit these beats, but around that you can do what you want, but you have to hit these beats. Now it feels a bit more like, well, what, you know, here's a story we want you to tell. What, you know, what story do you want to tell Taika? Okay, let's let, let's let's nix that bit. That that works. Okay, let's 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 change that a little bit so we can use it going. It feels a bit more. I want to say collaborative, but maybe a little bit less. T- uh, I don't know. They feel there's a bit more freedom with the directors to tell their story as long as it fits within the overall story. Whereas, whereas in phase one, two, three, it felt a little bit more regimented to the point where it's called formula. You know, it felt like like you said they were just setting up the next story. Here, I'm sure they are doing that now, but it feels a little less regimented, a little bit more free flowing, and maybe come the end of phase four, five, or six, whichever one's going to be the climactic one, we will look back and think, do you know what? Now that we've seen it all, I think it was, I feel a bit more liberated knowing that I could watch these films as standalone. They don't have as much requirement to go and watch the five films before it, but damn, do they fit into this, these last few phases. Hopefully we get to be it gets like that and it all makes sense towards when we get to the end, sorry, but Phase Four's yeah. been up and down, but we're still getting good films out of it. 
Yeah, and we're getting bigger swings, which I, I'm all for. I'd rather them yes. try some new stuff and it not work. Um, hopefully it won't be a detriment or like we won't start getting the retcon stuff like we've seen the DCEU desperately trying to do. Um, I, I hope that we never have one that's so glaring that it, it like either creates a, a need for another movie to fix it or um, that we have to pretend like it didn't happen. Like I hope we don't get something like that. But I like the idea of these these big swings that may or may not work. Um Anywho, that's our review of Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh, obviously, we both liked it. I liked it a little more than Matt, I think, but that's okay, folks. Um, and if you didn't like it, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We'll tell you how a little later. In the meantime, let's move on to our next segment, which is Chopped Headlines. This is a, a movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. Um, I had not seen this headline, so I'm very intrigued. Matt, what's your headline for the week? Ah, uh, Mickey Rourke, you know, ever the con- the controversy bringer, the chaos maker. My headline comes from Entertainment Weekly. It's an article by Jerry Nolfi. The headline, John, Mickey Rourke calls Tom Cruise irrelevant after playing the same effing part for 35 years. Uh, Cruise's $1 billion global success with Top Gun Maverick doesn't mean much, I'll just say, to the wrestler actor I have substituted a word there um so basically tom cruise he was on the the piers morgan uncensored show piers morgan is an idiot for those who want to know but um he was on the show and he was asked about tom cruise or his approach to movie making yeah and he said you know he doesn't basically for keeping it pg he doesn't give a damn about tom cruise he's played the same part for 35 years he says he's got no respect for that he says he doesn't care about money or power. He cares about watching Al Pacino working, Chris Walken, Robert De Niro, Richard Harris, Ray Winston. That's the kind of actor I want to be, like Monty Clift, Marlon Brando back in the day. A lot of guys that just tried to stretch as actors. Uh, Piers Morgan asked Mickey Rook, does he think Cruz is a good actor or not? To Mickey Rook said, I think he's irrelevant in my world. Well, uh, no, no response from Tom Cruise or his representatives. And of course, yes, this is coming off of the news that Top Gun Maverick has made a blistering $1.2 billion, which I always get so much joy saying that because I had such a good time, like John did, with that film. I love Top Gun Maverick. It's my second favourite film of the year. It's only because everything, everywhere, all at once was just a bonkers masterpiece. Now, that film isn't my number one, but... Um, Mickey Rourke, then my friend, Oscar nominated for the actor, uh, obviously fell off the rails massively before that had a little comeback, uh, as well. And things like Sin city, um, he's coming out now saying Tom Cruise, you know, it's irrelevant. He's been doing the same shtick now for 35 years. Tom Cruise of Top Gun cocktail rain man. Uh, what else has he done? I'm thinking of top of my mission impossible. Magnolia. Uh, magnolia plus, plus all the other things he's been doing uh what are you thinking about these comments i think i yeah, i think to be fair i think mickey rockers i don't know if he's with it in this interview listen to, as tom cruise stretched himself as much as he could have done maybe in 35 years probably not to, in my opinion does that make him a bad actor no does that make him great at what he does yes does that make him the last real movie star yes why you know last why real action being, star as well why was mickey work being interviewed uh, he's just uh, well. This is this is the question. Like, he's the, the article has no real reason. There's not he's not promoting anything. I don't believe it's. Uh, yeah, he's just on there, and he's you know he's Mickey Rourke being Mickey Rourke. I don't you know I don't think Tom Cruise has been pulling the same stick for thirty five years. I mean I do think he could have 
stretched himself more so. He's, he, but he has he hasn't just been uh, Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hunt, sorry, Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hunt for 35 years. You know, he has done things in in and out, inside and outside of that. So I think Mickey Rock is talking a little bit of crap here. I don't know if it's because Mickey Rock might have a book he needs to sell or we've got an upcoming series. It doesn't say in the uh, article here, but I think it's a, I think it's a very, very strange thing for Mickey Rock to say. I know that he does like to say what's on his mind, but it's a really odd line of questioning and it's a very odd thing to say. I don't agree with him. I do think Tom yeah. Cruise could have done more in 35 years in terms of really stretching himself because I think he's a good actor when he wants to be. But I think Mickey Rourke is off his head here. Uh, off his trolley, sorry. JB, you, you know, I've just read the, the article. I've given you my thoughts. What are you thinking about this? I mean, I am I like Mickey Rourke as an actor. I, I recently watched Rumblefish. Um, he has done very different parts. He's also done a lot of the same parts, though. And mm-hmm. um I mean, when you look like Mickey Rourke, you're going to get typecast, I think, to a degree. Um, like, I would say his Sin City character is almost the wrestler character. Like, you know, maybe not, not as tragic, but, uh, you know, it's very much built around it's the the look, right? Like, um, I, I, I would love to know why he's being interviewed, because, like, it does seem like such a random, like, cry for attention. Like, Tom Cruise is a movie star. Like, I don't even, like, I don't know, like, he's obviously an actor, but we don't think of him like that. We think of him as brand recognition, right? Like, we know Tom Cruise. So I don't necessarily think it's far off to say that he does the same type of thing. Now, I think he's he has stretched at times. His character in Magnolia is completely against characters. He goes 100% against his persona there. Um, he has actively sought out, or at least he did in the in the late 90s, early 2000s, sought out working with auteurs. Um, and, you know, he works with Kubrick. He works with Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, he goes to Spielberg, who I know, obviously, Spielberg is a populist filmmaker, but he is the auteur of the populist filmmakers. Um, and... Uh, then he finds McCrory and, and he's really latched in with him. Like Cruz cares about making good movies. And it's not to say he makes movies that make a lot of money. And the proof is that he has not had a billion dollar grossing movie until now. Right. Like Maverick Mm -hmm. is his highest grossing film of all time ever by a huge margin. It's not even like he just nicked over like mission, like as much as I think you and I would fight for the last couple of mission impossible movies especially yeah, yeah. they don't get the box office draw that they deserve to be honest no, they've been two of the best action movies the last two films he's done have been i think his highest grossing films because mi7 yeah. is it i think uh, mission impossible uh, fallout sorry that was that 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 was a big hitter at the box office as well but not yeah but like but nowhere near this level like that's the thing like this is it's crazy and Partly, I mean, I think the temperature of when it came out helped that it's, there's a lot of reasons people are going to that movie. Uh, it's, and it is a great movie. It's also after yeah. how many years of CG action movies, we get a tangible real life action movie. These are people mm-hmm. flying freaking planes, man. Like it's, and you can tell <laughs> the difference. Real. Um, and uh, to say he's irrelevant is, is ridiculous. Like it, it, he is the most relevant actor in Hollywood because he is the epitome of what Hollywood actors were for the bulk of the existence of Hollywood acting, right? Like Tom Cruise is the last of a breed and it's even called out in Maverick 
that your time is done, right? Like that, that line, when he is told that in the, the sense that you're, no one is for you is about also this type of filmmaking, non CG, real practical effects. No one else is doing what he's doing in Hollywood. And to say he's irrelevant is like acting like you don't is get what jealousy? he's doing. I mean, it's something, dude. I don't know. Like Rourke's had a career. It's not like Rourke hasn't had some major, you know, movies. He's also had mm-hmm. some major falls. Yeah. Um, far more than Cruz and Cruz has had his bumps. Like Cruz has done some bad movies, but he is generally consistent. Like even in the bad stuff and I, I say what you want about his personal life. I'm not getting into that. Just as no, no, no. a Hollywood actor, even more why any actor would feel the need to take a shot at Tom Cruise, because I don't think there is a person working in Hollywood who fights for movies more than Cruise does. Like, Cruz is the only actor who is on the same bar as like Villeneuve or Nolan when it comes to like the theatrical experience. He is that voice. How long for did the he actors. make Top Gun? How long did he hold Top Gun Maverick back? Because like three years. He said, There's no way is it going to streaming. Not a disrespect to streaming because this is the way he made his film. Yeah. And it, he's like the only actor with that. Maybe with that pull, you know, where he could do that. Yeah, I think you're right. You don't hear a lot of other actors speaking out about the theatrical experience where you do a lot of directors. Like so many directors are adamant about it needs to be in the theater, needs to be in the theater. Mm -hmm. And I think actors like, oh, I like I like going to the movies. I like the theatrical. But like Cruz is like fighting for it. And and when you hear his rant on the set of Mission Impossible during COVID about the protocols, he's ranting because he's not he's not even mad that they're breaking protocols he's mad that the breaking of the protocols could shut down the production and that's what he does not want he doesn't want this industry to fall he is fighting to keep this industry going and, he's and so for aware any, of the danger of covid as well it was yeah it was yes. you're endangering you us and other people and the picture and so like a lot of times when you hear those rants, it's it's supposed to be like a negative thing. Like, oh, look at how awful Christian Bale was on the set of Turn. But wh- I felt like when I heard the Tom Cruise rant, I was like, yeah, I'm on his side. Like, I think he did the right thing. Maybe he could have said less curse words at them. Maybe no one should be yelled at that way. But I also like the, the sentiment behind it. I understood. And so for any actor to lash out at him as an actor, not as a person, because, again, I think there's personal politics you could totally nitpick. But, like, he's fighting for this industry to survive. Like, everyone should be backing him for that, if nothing else, for that. And so, I don't know. I it's It feels weird for someone to talk trash about him, especially right now. Because he's, I mean, he is soaring high. Uh, this is the highest he's probably ever been. So maybe it's that, like, bring him down a notch kind of thing. But, man, to say he's irrelevant, it's like, come on, he's he's got to be, like, the most relevant for this industry, like, to exist. Yeah, that's what drew me to this, my friend. So uh, well articulated as ever. It's just a very, very odd uh, and kind of left field headline. And um, it grabbed my attention for that reason. Yeah, Great headline. Great headline for sure. What have you got, big man? Um, It it gets you like that. But have you got something as controversial? No, but I also I meant to kind of give you a heads up for this and I didn't. So I'm about to put you on the spot. Um, This is a fun little uh, uh, BuzzFeed article, which we don't do very often because BuzzFeed's kind of you know, it's just a bunch of lists 90% of the time. And this is a list. Uh, it's the headline is people are sharing movies that are, aren't super well made, but are still somehow the absolute best. In other words, bad movies that we love. I will give mine, uh, Matt, I want you to start thinking what's, what's a movie that is 
generally not liked or disrespected that you you adore mine is obvious if you've listened to any of my podcasts over the years uh hudson hawk is one that i fight (laughs) for and have made many people watch it is one i generally love but i understand that it's kind of stupid um but i i think it's great and so this list i'm just going to go through uh the number one i i just don't think anyone actually has seen this movie but break into electric boogaloo i happen to own this film my <laughs> wife liked this movie as a I think kid we mentioned kid. this last week as well this film yeah and it's it's got the most recycled uh subtitle like anytime anyone makes a joke it's electric boogaloo right like that's the yep. the sequel subtitle because the original is just breaking uh, with no G apostrophe. Um, but so some other movies on this list, uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks, which I liked this when Taylor was a very young kid. So we had it on DVD. I enjoyed it. I always liked Alvin and the Chipmunks when I was a kid. I liked Jason Lee. So I was, I was yeah. in on the movie. It was fine. Um, Police Academy. I loved the Police Academy franchise as a kid. I have not seen them since I was a kid. So I don't know <laughs> that I would say they're still good. But as a kid, I adored those movies. Um, we got Scary Movie. I mean, Come on, the first, the, the, the first scary movie's good. Like it's a it's a good parody film. It's not anything brilliant. White chicks. This is getting into that territory where the weigh-ins started getting maybe too much power, and they were making like anything they wanted. But white chicks yep. is pretty funny. A white reanimator is a film that I used to watch. It's on quite a lot. It was not not anymore, but for a time in the UK, it was one of those films that's always on at about half ten in the evening, uh, like yeah. at least like once every fortnight at least. Uh, so even now, least, I put it on. Yeah, just Terry, Terry Ter- Crews. Yeah, exactly. Terry Crews is the highlight of White Chicks. He is so <laughs> funny in that movie. Um, Reanimator is a is a cult classic uh, horror film. So I don't know why this is uh, on the list, but it is. It's a B movie for sure. Like it's, but it was made as a B movie. Like it's not trying to be anything. It's not. Um, she's the man. Uh, the Amanda Bynes film, which is a solid movie. Uh, Con Air. I really like Come Con, on, Con Air. Con I haven't seen it in years, but I liked it a lot when I was a kid. Um, it's so wild of a movie. I've never seen Center Stage, but that's on this list. Um, one that I think is similar to this though is um, oh, it's a gymnastic movie with Jeff Bridges. Um, oh, I can't think of what it's called. I think of the name of that. I like that movie, and it's 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 kind of it feels like Center Stage vibe, like kind of trashy, like but it's entertaining. Swordfish is on this list. I have to think that's only yeah. because Halle Berry's naked in it. Um. Yes. Tank Girl, which is a it's a comic book, so of course people have and Lori uh, Lori Petty, who's always eccentric, if nothing else, right? Like she's always something, and she's in stuff. She, yeah. uh, Suicide Squad, the twenty sixteen one, I don't agree with that, but I definitely know a lot of people who love that movie, so it totally makes sense. Pearl Harbor's on this list. Michael Bay must have paid somebody because I don't know anyone who's like Pearl Harbor, excellent. Um, Night at the Roxbury's. Mm. Gotta say, I I love the SNL sketch, so I I have seen the movie, and it, it's stupid funny at times. It's very excruciating to sit through the entirety of it, but if you pull like scenes from it, I think it's very entertaining. Um, Spice World, I know you got to be a big fan, Matt. Oh, uh, come on, Spice World, Richard E. Grant's in that film. What's not to like? Uh, also in Hudson Hawk, um, Deep Blue uh, Sea. Uh, there's at least one scene in that. That's great. I always forget Thomas me. Thomas Jane is in that freaking movie. Uh, Bubba Hotep's on this list, which I'm like, uh, that movie's brilliant. What are you talking about? Why is that on this list? Um, but yeah, I guess uh, the 87 Masters of the Universe is on this list. And that Jesus, I, mm, I, I watched as a kid. Courtney Cox is making her film debut, I believe, in this movie. But come on, like, let's be real. No, uh, Lake Placid, a beam horror movie. Again, of course, that's going to mm-hmm. be on this list. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Whew, uh, terrible. Terrible. 
awful. So I'm all in on this list for the most part. And then I get to number 21 and I'm like, someone's full of crap because Fantastic Four, the 2015 <laughs> film is on this list. I'm like, no, no, no. Nobody likes this movie. This movie is bad. It ruined a career. Like Josh Trank, career over because yeah. of this movie. Yeah. Like, And then no. you made that Tom Hardy Al Capone film, which was... Which is, yeah. which is put the final nail in the coffin. Yeah. Um, but there's a few other movies on this list, but uh, I said um, mine was Hudson Hawk. That's definitely one of those movies that I really, I understand a lot of people think is just absolutely bad. I adore it. Um, but I did find it as a kid. Is there a movie, Matt, that you uh, have that comes to mind? Well, I've just been having a look at the, um, at that list and one of them that jumps out is uh, street fighter which i i saw that oh, I was, the last time i watched street fighter i found myself having quite a good time with it because it's it, it, it's so full of cheese you know it's good look you look at the actors in it so you've got van a pretty Damme. decent lineup of cast van damme obviously raul julia ming uh, Wen, raul julia's last movie i think if i'm not mistaken uh, yes he was um sadly very ill when he was um yeah filming it uh but it's got that brilliant line he says for you the day bison graced your village was the most important day in your life but for me it was tuesday like ah, come on the way uh, raul bison gives his- that line yeah, he brings his freaking A game to that movie, man. Like it's wild. He's not messing around with that. With that, and um, so yeah, the, that the little reasons like that. That's why, um, in terms of films on this list, I would uh throw in. I'm trying to think of of some more films that are uh sort of films that people don't often say they like, but or films which aren't maybe held up as great i mean one of the ones i want to throw in there and you might disagree with this jb because i know it is intentional and it's satirical and it's we get it but a film like starship troopers now i don't think i think some mm. people look at that as a crappy uh cheesy you know b-movie bit of fluff when in reality starship troopers is great starship yeah, troopers I, is so much fun i think i think now the general consensus has taken that attitude though that it is this masterpiece of like satire but at the time it was reviled people were like what is this and i, I liked it as a kid i liked it for the wrong reasons i just liked all the action and, and yeah, uh, you know it was crazy like i didn't get all the satire until way later but um mm-hmm. i i was like why do people hate this i didn't, i had a good time watching it and i saw some of the acting not the best no and um who else is in it because it denise I can't denise richards it, it is Denise, which is not great but it works within the confines of that film everything that's got yeah. falls into place and it's great i think it's great fun i mentioned face oh, off yeah. I, I think face off is i think face off is great it's the most absurd thing but i think it's so a lot I think of people love that movie how could you i um i'm looking around i like the film jumper sam jackson anakin skywalker i like jumper I think that film's good, but I do believe it's kind of just. For, I don't think it's particularly well received when it came out, and, I, and it yeah. has obviously hasn't received a cult following. I don't think, but I like that film. I think it's decent. Um, I'm trying to think of anything. I can't think of anything controversial to say. Uh, there's nothing. There, there are films which you know other people aren't a huge fans of, like Ghostbusters Two, for example, compared to its predecessor. But I like Ghostbusters Two. Uh, is it as I good as you know? who who put it in a bad movie list uh and i think that would be a fair argument um on the very last movie on that buzzfeed article is grease 2 and that is my wife's preferred movie uh she likes wow. Grease 2 more 
she loves Greece, but she does like Greece too more. And I think it's one of those things where she found that one as a kid and that was the one she latched onto as a kid and then went to Greece later. Like, wait, there's a first one um, kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, I think it happens like, again, um, I could probably like Encino Man is another one for me. I lo- actually, mm-hmm. you know what? The first four Polly Shore movies, I could easily rewatch it anytime. I love Encino Man. I love Son-in-Law. I, I have a soft spot for Biodome. I think it's stupid as all get out. But there is some funny crap in that movie, and there are some lines that I still quote all the time. Um, and there's one I'm forgetting in the middle of the um, that I also kind of like. I do not like Jury Duty. Oh, in the Army now, Lori Petty um, and Andy Dick uh, with Pauly Shore. Those four movies I could I rewatched far too often as a kid, and Cino Man being the one I watched the most. But like I, mm-hmm. I rewatched Son in Law, rewatched uh, In the Army Now, and I I very much I watched. I found Biodome kind of late. And I watched it way too many times. I'm not going to lie. I, I think that movie is stupid, but I love it. Um, I can imagine so you sitting there, there and enjoying it uh, as it's on. The Rise of Skywalker. Can I throw that in, in a couple of years' time? It's it's not great, but uh, you know, it's I, I don't mind it. It's fine. I'm I'm getting used to it. Oh, I st- I won't. Re- I don't think I'm going to ever rewatch that one. Um, <laughs> You're never going to get to that. This is a really fun idea for a for a list. To be fair, though. Yeah, that's what the headline just grabbed. Me. I was like, oh, this is fun because so often we we want to put people down for the movies that they like or whatever and it's like you know what this is kind of bringing people up it's like i like these things and i think we should be okay with liking all the things like it's okay to like something that's a little dumb like again i'm not sitting here saying we should be like the guys in biodome but can i watch biodome and laugh at the stupidity of it yeah yep. all day you know i also i really like how high with a uh, method man and red man it's a stupid movie there's some terrible ideas in that movie that you're like why did they do this there's a ghost because they buried his ashes with the weed and when they smoke the weed the ghost appears that's a that's a <laughs> thing in the movie yeah but i think yep. the movie's funny like it's stupid but it's entertaining um so yeah you know Let's just enjoy things, I think, sometimes. And that's what I thought the BuzzFeed article did. It was like, it was just kind of like reveling in the things that make us happy, even if they're not the best, you know? Sometimes you need that stuff. I'm here for that, JB. I think that leads us to media consumption, because we got to see what we've been consuming. Uh, are, are we consuming trash? Are we eating nothing but McDonald's fries? Or are we eating some nutritious broccoli? Let's see. Matt, this is media consumption, movies, TV, video games, music, podcasts, whatever we're doing to pass the time since the last time we recorded. What have you been indulging in? I see that we have some crossover this week. Uh, we do, yes. Um, in terms of actual food, which I'll get to uh, yeah, slightly later on, uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been indulging in too much broccoli, sadly. But uh, this week, uh, I mentioned up top, it's been a very busy uh, week, pretty much since we recorded the last episode up until about yesterday. So my consumption has been very small comparatively i mean to be fair the last few weeks have been haven't been huge but uh, this one's a little bit shorter i've listened to the nightmare on film street podcast where they were speaking about the purge election year of uh, i seem to remember the guys and girls there were fairly up on that film certainly the art the themes and ideas within it um i wasn't as huge of a fan of election year i think it kind of fell off the wagon a little bit but i do like the uh, the political angle that, that they took considering that when it started it was just ethan hawk and an annoying kid in a house and look what it became uh, i've also been listening to the dead meat podcast to kind of going back and listening to their back catalogue of horror films that i enjoy so i can get like an hour and a half's worth of deep dive into these films which i'm so glad I, i've heard of i mentioned last week i've heard of dead meat i've seen them on youtube and i saw them in scream five in the background and that but just never really 
you know me, JB, you never commit to anything, but I'm going back and listening because I love my horror films. Um, in terms of film, I watched Dune. I rewatched Dune for the first time since uh, proclaiming it my film of 2021. I watched it on Blu-ray and still holds up for me. And on the small screen as well, it holds up. The big screen experience was the way now that was it blew my socks off but watching it at home it holds up just as well of course you haven't got the bombastic sound around you but you know i've, I've experienced that already it didn't lose any of its power uh, on the smaller screen so do and i watch that little bit of um crossover here i watched mad god now i don't know how um i watched it via a link from shudder um ah. Because again, I love my horror films, and somehow I don't know quite know how, but I've managed to find their way onto their screener list. So every time, cause I think I mentioned before when they had like the cursed horror films and the horror noir, I was watching that via the screening links they sent in a little portal. It's them, and um, I can't think of the other sort of related studios. But I watched Phil Tippett's Mad God via the Shudder link I got. And for those who aren't aware, it's, this is a film, a kind of a stop motion animation horror film that. Phil Tippett, who has been, who is a legend in the industry, he's worked on Star Wars, Jurassic Park. Uh, I do the man in injustice because he's worked on so many of the films so that things. all of you guys have seen and loved and worshipped and adored. Starship Troopers and RoboCop. I know he worked for sure on RoboCop. I feel like he might and have I think been he involved. He did work on Starship Troopers, yeah. Um, but he's done this film. He said it's been thirty years in the making. He spent thirty years conjuring this up, making it, and. Uh, we get no spoilers but i'll be damned if it isn't the strangest film one of the one of the strangest films i've seen all year it's kind of madcap odd brutal bizarre strange trip through phil tippett's mind in the in the form of animated horror stop motion horror it's it's bonkers it's bizarre but somehow i found it to be really quite good as well um only because it's such a trip i don't know how well it will hold up on repeat viewings but the first time i watched it i was you know, I felt like I'd gone on this very, very bizarre, yeah, trip. I felt like Phil Tippett had had, had, um, had spiked me, had spiked my dinner, and suddenly what I, whatever I was watching was taking me into the fairies. But Mad God, if you're a horror fan, I would recommend you check it out. If you're a stop motion fan or just a fan of the, you know, film of the technique of filmmaking and the craft, I think you're going to find something here to like. If you don't really like any of those, I think you're going to hate Mad God. To be fair, but maybe check it out and uh, i also watched ms marvel as well guess me look at me john watching an mcu series still need to watch loki what if hawkeye probably another one as well um ms marvel i thought was was good i didn't think it was the best one of the lot i found i liked the kind of smaller scale the family aspect of it um i liked um the character of kamala khan i think the actress did a really good job i've mentioned that before yeah um I know there's a lot of controversy about how it ended or how certain parts of the character were changed because Kevin Feige clearly hates one particular faction within the MCU, but it's there to set up another faction's entry. I think it's fairly unsubtle ah. way of doing it, but I hey, look, I thought Miss Marvel was pretty decent. I, d- I didn't dislike it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I know a lot of people really, really like this. And we we're talking earlier on about representation, diversity, these things matter. And Ms. Marvel did a fantastic job of doing that culturally. I think it did a great job of of bringing uh, of bringing the the culture or the family's culture and the religion and faith to the wider audience. And there's no bigger audience than an MCU audience or a Disney Plus audience. So Ms. Marvel, I was um, happy enough with throughout its six throughout its um, entirety. Sorry, Doom was great. Mad God was 
very odd, but I enjoyed it on my first viewing. Again, I'm not sure how many times I'm going to go back to watch it again, but uh, that was me. Otherwise, I've been uh, otherwise engaged. But JB, you've always got a veritable smorgasbord. And one of the films on your list, the first one, I really enjoy and I really like the soundtrack to it. But, I'll, but I'm going to let you finish, JB. All right. Well, I'll start with the, the podcast that I always listen to, the Blank Check podcast. Uh, drop their cabaret episode. Matt, um, I know you haven't. I've tried to get you to listen to this podcast for years now. Commitment uh, issues, I you really know me. Can't stress why you won't listen to it. But this episode, I don't know if you've seen Cabaret before. Yes, I have. So I, I just rewatched it. I, I saw it as a kid. I have not seen it as an adult. It's such a great movie. Um, I was really excited for the episode. I, I th- they had uh, this is the second of the Bob Fosse series, so a good time to hop in. By the way, because there's only five movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but their guest on the cabaret episode is Rachel Zegler. Uh, you might know that no name from West side story. Yeah. Um, I think easily their biggest guest, and they've had some big names like David Lowry is a regular, and, and, but he's, you know, he's an indie director that we admire, but he's not yes. like, he's not the level of what now Rachel Zegler has there. become. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't know for sure how they pulled this. Um, if she was a listener to the show or if her and Griffin, because they are New York based. I think she's New York based because of Broadway and stuff before. Um, so there, any possibility and they, they the, the podcast has gotten big, but it's still, I've been with it for several years now. So I still feel like ground floor level, like everyone else is just coming to it now, but it's, a it's cool when they have a big celebrity, I wasn't sure though. Cause like, you're not sure if they're going to have the nerdness to the movies that uh, the guys bring. And she yeah. did. And I, that oh, was the nice. thing I really, I, she's, she seems awesome. Like it's just a genuinely cool person. And for years they've done the bit of the humble brag. Like, like I might say, Oh, I went to the movie with my girlfriend and the like, humble brag. She got to do the most legit humble brags ever because she said them so matter of factly because they are her life her life is not like anyone else's right now she's in the middle of filming snow white uh you know there's a moment in the episode where she's like i brought steven a christmas present while he was editing his next movie and you when you realize (laughs) steven spielberg um they the guy you could hear the guys tripping over themselves to say humble brag because they've never had that big of a humble because she said it so casually like and it didn't feel like a person name dropping for the sake of name dropping like later in the episode she's like well i was flying back from the grammys and you're like oh my god like <laughs> this woman's it's, life is it's like me amazing. saying you know i've just been to the grocery store to pick up some milk yeah exactly and but again, she, she doesn't come off as if it's bragging. Like she comes off as like, this is the life I have found myself currently living. It's wild, but I'm also not going to like act like this isn't what I was doing. Cause this is what I was doing. Like I was doing this thing. Um, she, she's, it's a really great episode. I think it's a really good place to jump in. If you've never listened to the show, uh, on their Patreon, they did the Liza with a Z, which Bob Fosse also directs, but it's a TV special Liza Minnelli concert, uh, right after cabaret. Um, they had both, you know, they were at peaks of their career. And so, uh, they, that's available to watch on some of like the free services, like 2B TV and, um, uh, Pluto TV. I think it's available mm-hmm. to, to live stream. It's like an hour long special. It's supposed to be really good. Um, I listened to that, but watched a bunch of movies. I, I bought, um, back in November, I think I bought the Wong Kar Wai Criterion box set. And, uh, at the beginning of the summer, it was my goal to watch through the whole box set. Um, eight movies. What, what made you buy the box set? Um, I had not seen any Wong Kar Wai films. Uh, it was, um, I'd heard like he was a super influential visual filmmaker. Um, 
And honestly, I didn't, I didn't have a time frame. I didn't realize how current he is and that he's still making movies like right now. Like he's not, it's weird that there's a box set for someone whose career is going to get bigger. Um, potentially, you know, like this, although at the same time, I think these films are very much a, of a piece mm-hmm. that he might be moving away from. So it might make sense that this box set exists as it is and doesn't have anything else. Although there's also a rumor that he's written a sequel to, uh, Chunking Express. Um, that's okay. in like production phase right now. So like, uh, or uh, pre-production phase, I should say. Um, but I started the box set in June. I watched the first movie, liked the first movie. Started the second movie halfway through the disc froze. Found out that the Criterion box set had uh, faulty discs. And you could get the replacements, but you had to you know, had to wait. So I had to wait like a week and a half to get my replacement discs um, for the box set that was like not, not cheap, not expensive. Mm-hmm but not cheap. So I got my replacements and I just haven't gotten back into it. And finally this week I was like, I'm time to jump back in. Um, now his style is so clear that in everything, everywhere, all at once, I knew they were referencing his movies, having not seen any of his movies um, in the sequences uh, where Michelle Yeoh is the successful actress and she uh, meets the husband when they are not husband and wife and there's like scenes in the alley, the color, the, the uh, uh, stamp printing is used, which is an effect where you film at a very low frame rate, like six frames per second, and then speed it up to 24 frames per second. And you naturally lose frames because there are no frames for it to fill. So you get these blurs and this motion uh, blurring. Um, It's a very cool effect. It's, it's kind of his trademark. Um, So I wanted to watch his movies. And so I've watched uh, everything. Um, his other six films. So I watched 2046 in the mood for love, happy together, fallen angels, chunking express. I watched those in reverse order. than I just said them, I watched them in the actual order that they were uh, <laughs> released, but I, I wrote them backwards. Basically when I typed it out, um, I liked all of them. Um, I think chunking is my favorite because it is a rom-com and I love a rom-com. Uh, I was surprised that it was a comedy. I actually went in not realizing he had ever made a rom-com because his movies are even that one they're they're sad romances they're, like none of them end like with the happily ever after type vibe uh there there's lessons to be learned his there are reflections on life and and love and they're powerful happy together was my the biggest surprise to me uh because i knew i didn't know anything about any of the movies to be fair um but of the the movies it is the only one that features a gay couple and um it's, it's also shot in black and white, predominantly, not exclusively. Uh, he, he does some weird stuff with color throughout the films. Um, it's also the only one that's not filmed uh, in in China or Hong Kong. It is um, filmed in Argentina. Um, so there's a lot of differences in that film. And it's, man, it it, it hit some of the, the emotions the hardest to me. Uh, I, I was really moved by the film. Um uh, it's a great box set. I highly recommend it. Uh, do know if you buy it, it's you're probably going to have to get replacement discs. Um, I guess that's just how it works because they ship out all these things and they don't know which ones are defective until you try them. And if they don't work, they'll get you the right discs that do work, but you have to go through that process. It's relatively easy um, to be fair, but it's still like a, it's a hassle. You spend a bunch of money and you're like, well, now I got to wait and get more discs. Um, but nevertheless, uh, it's a great box set. Definitely worth um, owning the Criterion. A lot of those movies are on HBO Max, though. So if you have HBO Max, uh, I don't think his first two are. And I don't think Chunking is. But I think Fallen Angels, Happy Together, In the Mood for Love, and 2046 might all be on um, HBO Max. So um, 
yeah, any any thoughts on the, those before I get to the rest? Do you know what? I haven't seen many of his films, but 2046 was the one which I really liked. I thought 2046 was great. I really love the music in it, um, especially yeah. the way it uses things like it's um, you, Shigeru Imabayashi. Does did you the, see In the Mood for Love? Uh, no, I haven't, no. I mean, I've oh, only you, seen 2046, oh. and the way he uses things like Polonaise, I think it's great in that yeah, film. But but, 2046 is a direct sequel to In the Mood for Love. And this is what I was saying, is I've watched that film, I really enjoyed it. And you know when you watch something, you think, oh, I wouldn't mind watching the rest, which is why I asked, you know, what made you want to watch his films, um, other than Reputation. And I'd seen 2046, and as I always do, if I like a film, I go online, you know, I kind of have a look at it, I find out how it was made and all that kind of good stuff. And then I found out that, in fact, this was a, a, a this was a, um, a follow-up, a sequel to, um, that, to, to, to In the Mood for Love. And, uh, yeah, I need to go and watch that film. Yeah, it's, oh man, it's, it's very, very good. Apparently um, a loose I'm- sequel as well to Days of Being Wild, which is his film as well. Oh, really? So it's a uh, kind of that a sequel actually to two films. That was the one that broke on me. I actually, uh, I technically need to watch the last 30 minutes of that. I had to read the Wikipedia article. Um, <laughs> I never went back and finished the movie cause it did. I couldn't. And when I, by the time I got the disc, I'd be like, I don't want to rewatch the whole thing right now. Um, I, hear that, I do want to say, I will t- go and uh, watch this film, Tony Leung Chiwei. I, I'm yep. sure I totally butchered that. Uh, we, we talked about him with Shang-Chi because he is the uh, father of Shang-Chi. Um, he is in almost every one of these movies. Uh, I think the exception is Fallen Angels, if I remember. No, no, he's in Fallen Angels. Um, no, I'm sorry. He's not in Fallen Angels because Fallen Angels is technically a... It's like a weird subversion of Chunking Express. It's almost like this like odd parody of it. Uh, so he's not in that one because he is in Chunking Express. So he's not in Fallen Angels because it's like this weird parallel. Um, but... Uh, he's in like every other movie and he is such a great actor. And I know that is known to many people, but for me, I had really only seen him in a couple of things before this box set. And I'm just like, why is he not like the most famous person? Like he is tremendous. Like he, he brings so much with like so little it's, it's insane. Um, yeah. Uh, really, really, really enjoyed these films. Um, I, I don't fully understand all of the power of them. There's a lot going on. Like he is working through a lot of stuff. Uh, I would say too, there are some direct references though, like throughout um, all of his movies. I think they're all kind of connected through themes and uh, this contemplation. Like you see him like processing, he wrote almost all these, he works with the same cinematographer, which Mm -hmm. is one of the things I feel like the box set should point out. It's not really just one car wise box set because the cinematographer has so much to do with the signature look of the films that are heavily associated with one car. Y. Um, and I think that's worthy of note. Uh, but nevertheless, um, a couple other things I watched, uh, not too much more. I, I mentioned that I watched cabaret. Um, I also watched mad God, not for me. Um, I watched it on shutter. Um, I, it's one of those things I'm watching it and I'm like, wow, this is impressive that this man made this thing stop motion. Like it's, it's incredible in that regard. And like, as a technical Marvel, cool as a like thing that I enjoyed watching, not at all. Like I, I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't really care what was going on. Um, I like, there's obviously some really deep thought put into some of the things. It just never felt like it, it had anything to actually say about those things. It's like, yes, this is something you're like, yes, yes, it is. What about it? It's like, Oh, nothing. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to bring it up to you. So you would freak out. Like, Oh, 
that's what I mean. It felt like a trip. I don't think that's what I, I can't see myself going back to watch it. But when I'm watching it, I'm on the trip and I'm letting myself kind of absorb it and be taken over by it. Um, and at the same time, I'm saying that it got a really beautiful purple orange sky outside. Um, but as it, as in terms of the film, yeah, is it a is it a masterpiece? No, but it's an experience, not one I'm probably going to revisit. But I, the good thing about John and I is I hear him say that. And we're still going to do the podcast as friends. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like we were kind of on the same page of that so, one. Yeah. So, um, but so Shutter is a cool thing. So uh, I have a, a friend I used to do top five movies with uh, on my other podcast, uh, Michael Sanchez, Whoop. and uh, he's been mentioning to me a while on Discord. There is a, a Shutter uh, server that you can join, and they have uh, yep. one channel on the discord server where you can, uh, they do like, um, they, they have screening. So like they don't do it on the thing. You would like watch the movie on shutter, for example, because that's where it would make sense. Like th- this movie's on shutter. Nightbreed was the one that we did this past week and we do like a live chat. So like they do a countdown clock in the chat and then boom, everyone starts the movie and it's kind of like mystery science theater 3000 or, it doesn't have to be funny. Like you can just have general thoughts or whatever. Um, but it's like a community watching a movie together. Uh, but talk like typing chat, not talking chat. So you're not talking over the film. And I, I've not joined in on one until last week I did for Nightbreed. I'd never seen Nightbreed. It's a Clive Barker film that actually stars Cronenberg. Yep. Um, and have you seen it? Uh, yes, I have. I, I've I, seen I the, like you probably his have. films and it, again, a slightly acquired taste at times. Yes. I, I actually had a lot of fun with Nightbreed. It's bad, but it's like the right kind of bad. You know, it's like, it's it's over the top. It's zany. Cronenberg, tremendous. And I think it has one of the coolest, like, killer masks in yes. horror movies. That mask is terrifying. It's really cool. Um, But uh, doing the, the, the chat thing was a lot of fun. Like, um, you know, it felt like a community of uh, like-minded nerds. And uh, it was funny because Mike and I were both in the chat and we were, we were trying not to act like we were friends uh, outside of in real world. Like we didn't make any, we didn't make it known that we know mm-hmm. each other yeah. kind of thing. No but bo- boy, we went for the same jokes. Like all, the, like almost every time we were like hitting the same, same beats. Cause we're just like similarly minded. That's why we were friends. And uh, like, I was like, dang it, Mike, you're too fast. Like he kept like beating me to my jokes and I wasn't uh, able to use gifts in the chat at first. Cause I, you have to like join as a member and I hadn't yes. done that or whatever. So I'm like, I kept trying to send gifts and then he would send the gift that I had tried to send, but it was like blocked. I'm um, like, ah, you're stealing my thunder, man. But um, it was a lot of fun. I, I think I'll join in on some more of these uh, shutter chats. If you're a movie nerd and you want to have that experience, look that, look that up. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, people who just love movies and want to have want to have conversations with other cinephiles. Like it's a it's a cool experience. So I had no idea about that. So uh, count me yeah. in. Uh, the hard part for you, obviously, is going to be the time zone, right? You're going to be like at um, three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a night owl, but maybe maybe not that much of one. Yeah, because I think I think that one we started. It's I feel like it might have been nine. So like it's really late for you. But they did uh, this weekend. They're doing a double feature. Um, with the thing and uh, they live on Sunday night. Um, so, like back to back. Yes. I know. Right. I'm like, okay, I got to do that one. Cause I, I want to, I, any reason to watch the thing and they live back to back. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm in. Um, I'm here for even that. I just watched those a year ago. Why not do it again? Um, but I, I uh, to, to finish this up so we can get, I'm currently covering the Fantasia international film festival. I can't talk about the movies I've seen so far, but I will be, 
uh, talking to those, but go to BurkeReviews.com to read my reviews as they are posted. Uh, Fantasia International Film Festival is in Montreal, Quebec. It's in person only if you're not pressed. So you, if you're not able to get to Montreal, you can't actually see these movies yet. But um, if you if you don't recall, two years ago, Matt and I covered the festival on here. We saw some really great horror films, um, a lot of sci-fi films, some very weird films, films that we <laughs> yeah. were uh, shocked by. I can't even remember the name of that one that we were the director liked our negative comments on it. Because oh, Fried Barry. Yeah, that's it. Um, that's because it. we had, a, our we had an ambiguous comment, wasn't it? We were kind of like, look, Fried Barry is very odd maybe it won't work for didn't work for us but maybe it will for you and he kind of he sent us a, a wink a wink face dm i don't know if he because we yeah we, we sent each other a text afterwards saying oh damn do you think he listened to the episode where we pretty much slammed the film um, but, but but also like encourage the ambitious filmmaking it just again it didn't work for us yeah, um yeah. It's a cool festival if you're able to go there. But at the even if you can't go, I think checking out my reviews or checking out um, Big Tune is also covering it uh, at yep. Disappointment Media. Um, we we often watch the same stuff, but you know because a lot of times he's the one telling me what's worth my time. He knows that I am very like this is something I do uh, casually, so he helps me not to dive into things that maybe I won't enjoy. Um, but we, you know, I, I venture out on my own too. So uh, checking out both of our coverage or at least seeing our difference of opinions, it's a way to, to build your watch list for the future. Cause a lot of these movies will end up on shutter or they'll end up somewhere um, for you to watch. And so even if you can't see them at the festival, seeing what we saw and what's worth your time is a way to go. Um, I did catch the finale for Miss Marvel. I kind of liked, even though it, it is a, a line of dialogue that could easily be just ignored. I thought it was cool that we finally get something that we've been waiting for. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't hate it because, again, I'm yeah. not entrenched in comic book lore and um, I also, also I really can't be bothered with the drama of it. But we, it answers the question we've kind of been asking now, hasn't it, JB? Yeah. I didn't know the comic book origin of her either, really. Um, and they changed a lot about her character for the show out of necessity for a multitude of reasons. But the one thing... The, the two things that they're like upset about are kind of similar in the comics anyways. And it's a, it's a thin line of difference between those two things. So it's like, get over it. And then um, <laughs> my thing with the show is when it starts, it's a local hero show. And I think that was the right tone. Yep. And then in the middle, it feels like it, it goes too big where it's trying to feel like an epic superhero. And it, I think it should have stayed local neighborhood because that's also kind of where it tries to end. And I think the ending feels less than because we weren't with all of these characters for so long. Like there's like episodes where these characters are basically irrelevant. And had we stayed with them in the neighborhood, they might've all that neighborhood that comes together may have made more sense. And um, I don't, I think the acting is tremendous. So I think the, the, cast that they got for this show is awesome i also i really like the look of the character in the last episode i think the costume looks fantastic on screen which yes yeah it d doesn't always translate right like sometimes the superhero costumes look stupid on screen and i think it looks amazing i think it looks real really cool um and i don't know if you know what wwdits is matt but what we do in the shadows season four oh hey good timing it is. Uh, it dropped last night on Hulu. Um, I watched the first of two episodes that we got. I am a huge fan of this series. I think it is one of the most underseen and best series out there right now. It is an, F an FX series, but it is also on Hulu. Um, if you haven't seen the show, 
I can't stress enough how great it is. It is based on the Taika Waititi film, uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, Taika is a producer on it with Jemaine Clement. And they have been in the series a few times as different characters and their, their characters in the movie. But um, it's so funny. And Matt Berry is all I got. It's, that's it. End of story. Matt Berry is in it. So we need to I hear, guys. I, lo- I love Matt Berry. I think he's one of the funniest people on the planet. And he does it with this attitude where it doesn't seem like he thinks he's funny. Like, it's such Matt a weird. Berry. He has such a presence. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. so weird and i just think he is so funny i love him in the it crowd uh, some of my favorite lines in a show ever are from the it crowd with matt barry doing them like i think my god that show is so great and um he's in that weird like stephen king spinoff show i watched not long ago that also has uh richard ayoade in it i cannot think of what it's called the dark place the something some i can't think of what it is but he's great in that um, I've seen it random other entries of matt barry but man what we do in the shadows i think is his best comedic stuff and that's he's not the only thing that's great about the show that's but he's in it and it makes it great uh just can't stress enough i love the first episode of season four i can't wait to watch the second episode i didn't get to watch both i just saw the first one um i'm so excited that it's back i love that series uh it's always short it's only like usually eight episodes ten episodes a season um so it'll be over quickly but i'm i'm glad it's back uh i need to watch it john it's the any Tyker film slash series that i haven't seen yet uh, so yeah. and it's and the humor seems very much like uh, very much up my alley. I enjoy ninety five percent of Tiger's humor, so I think I'll enjoy this. And if you're not familiar, uh, listeners and Matt, with what the premise is, though, it is uh, what if vampires existed and they were on a reality show? Um, so it's like mockumentary style filming, you know, like <laughs> they're filming vampires. Uh, of course, it is. It's so brilliant. Um, there's uh, the the man. Um, yeah, it's just great. Uh, lots of lots of goofy, crazy stuff happens. Um, that's it for our media consumption, folks. But before we leave, before we walk away from this episode, that's a little longer than usual. Uh, we got to check in with each other to make sure we're staying bloody awesome. Matt, I want to know what are you doing to keep those bloody awesome levels uh, optimized. Uh, I have been very busy this week, JB. Um, over at Star Wars Sessions HQ, we were invited to exhibit or have a booth at the uh, London Film and Comic Con 2022, the official Showmasters event um, that saw 100,000 people pass through Olympia London in three days. Uh, we only had about 10 days notice, mind. Um, so we had to get everything set up, including like signage, but, um, uh, what's it called? Tablecloth, things like that. And it just things to entertain and draw people to our table. Uh, we were in the specially created Star Wars zone. Um, shout out to Dave Tree and all the cool stuff for sorting that out. But, um, we were in a, in a zone with our, some of our fellow friends and Star Wars creators over at Sessions HQ. We don't foster competition or animosity. We very much enjoy hanging out with other content creators who cares about who gets what lessons and whatnot. We just want to have fun because we're all here for the same reason, a fake show in space. So let's have fun with it. Um, but yeah, we had our own booth there and we got to speak to listeners uh, who came up to the booth, which is still amazing that people listen. And then when they tell you, it doesn't get any easier to hear that. It's still so very odd to hear someone say, I listen to you guys, black man, many different accents from around the world coming up to us. Um, we got to chat to some of the actors in the films uh, and the TV series, sorry, as well. Uh, got to meet 
uh, thousands of people over three days. It was very tiring. It was a 10, 12 hour days of very little sleep. By the end of it, I put on my personal socials. I had sore feet. I had aching muscles. I hadn't really slept an awful lot. Uh, during because I'd get home and have to be out again within four and a half odd hours back on the train. I, if I had more time, I would have got a hotel in London. But anybody who's been to a, a major city knows getting a hotel is expensive enough. But at short notice, you know, you've got to be made of money to be able to afford that. Um, and a hoarse throat from talking uh, for three days. And it wasn't just talking, of course, if anyone has been to a convention, I know John has. Those things can get pretty loud. So when you're trying to make yourself mm-hmm. heard, it can be draining. But it was an absolutely fantastic experience, a wonderful uh, weekend, meeting new people, meeting old friends, new friends, uh, talking Star Wars, eating curry, um, and just having fun. And over and, and the sessions were the most popular booth, as everyone there will attest to. Oh, man. <laughs> if anyone of you listening, please agree. But uh, we we had a great time again. It's not about popularity. Everyone, everyone drew their people in. It was a lot of fun, a great time, very tiring. Would love to do it again, but um, yeah, next time I'll get a hotel closer to it. But uh, so that's why I haven't really been able to watch anything because I spent certainly three days in London just uh, doing things. I couldn't, I could barely reply to messages. JB sending me the games, and I, I'd see them, and I couldn't do them because I literally couldn't even reply to anyone at the time because it took me four. Here's a story: it took me four hours to eat a sandwich as well. I got it out at 12 o'clock and by four o'clock I took my last bite. But again, I wouldn't change it for the world. And then Monday and Tuesday I spent um, seeing my daughter. Tuesday was sports day. So kind of five days out of the last seven I've been out. So today is the one day where I can come home, sit down, chill out. Go, going to work was like a blessing because it's aircon. I get to sit down and have to do anything apart from work. Uh, so that was quite nice. And now I get to come home and chat with JB is always going to be a fun way to end off the week so for me my friend it was just talking about star wars in a very busy but very rewarding environments um but i am glad to be back home and chilling out now what about yourself though jb well so i i put music um i've been listening to a lot of music but uh a lot of people have been listening to two songs because of stranger things volume uh well season four volume yep. one and two or part one and two uh the um Running up that hill, I've mm-hmm. actually been listening to the Meg Myers cover of that song. I like okay. that version better, um, and that it, the cover existed before Stranger Things, so it wasn't a uh, response. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people covering it now, like on TikTok and stuff. <laughs> Meg Myers did it before. Um, I, I not to say I don't like the Kate Bush version. I just I the Meg I like Meg Myers, and so um, her version kind of clicks for me more. And I have been listening to master of puppets because I've always liked that song. But what I realized is I'd never listened to the actual album because listeners, you may not know this, but when we were growing up, you had to buy an album and Mm -hmm. most people didn't have money to buy all the albums. So I, I was a kid when master puppets came out. Mm -hmm. Um, I never bought the CD. I I had the black album and then I had load and reload because those came out when I was in high school and I like, yeah, I'll get the new album. Um, but I'd never listened from beginning to end master of puppets. Now, one of my favorite Metallica songs is battery. And the only reason Mm -hmm. I even know that song is because of the documentary, um, some kind of monster where Metallica is uh, getting a new bass player because Jason Newstead left the band and uh, Robert Chichillo, who ends up becoming the Metallica bass player still is, um, 
auditions with battery and i was i just was like this song is amazing and there's a whole sequence i think of other bass players auditioning with that song and it's an amazing song i had no idea that was the first song on the master of puppets album but uh master of puppets tremendously great album um so i've been listening to that quite a bit not only the song but like the whole album and um i really like metallica like i it's i mean duh i guess that they're like a great band but it's a band that i they were probably one of the first like metal bands I was aware of as a kid because like the whole black album, every song had a music video basically. And like it was yes. on constant rotation. Um, and uh, the, I knew the music video for one, because that was a, a such a tremendous video and it was, it was based on like a true story. Fun. Yeah. Um, and so I was always familiar with Metallica and obviously I grew up in the Napster era and Metallica became the villains because of that. And um, even when streaming became a norm, it took a few years for Metallica to add their music to any of the, uh, the companies, the whole Napster um, thing, wasn't it? Right. It, w- it would be a little hypocritical for them to suddenly put their music out on the internet, even though every other band was doing so. And I think there's an argument to be made that maybe Metallica was right. Cause bands don't make the money that they used to from streaming their albums. Uh, but I, I have been meaning to go back to their catalog. And so that was uh, the, the show made me like, finally, I'm just going to sit and listen to a Metallica album. And I did not regret it. I had a lot of fun listening to it. I, I do think they're tremendously talented. Um, I think, you know, like all people they're they're uh, they have not been the best people at all times. I do find the, some kind of monster documentary to be one of the most compelling band documentaries that exists because it is pretty candid. Like there's some wild stuff in that documentary. I think it's super interesting. Um, and yeah, uh, that that's what I've, I've been just listening to music, but that those have been kind of my like center pieces that I've been checking out. We all know what John meant to say was you've got to check out St. Anger by Metallica. You know, that album has a couple of good songs. It's bad overall. And the, the follow-up album death magnetic, which I realized while I was looking at their albums came out in 2008 metallica has not put out a new album since 2008 minus their uh they did do an snm 2 album where they yep. if you're not familiar with metallica's snm listener that's they did a symphony uh where they had like a whole orchestra like to their music and they played a bunch of their their hits they did it again i think a couple of years ago so that's i think their actual last album but their last original new song album is from 2008 that's that's insane to me um and that album's mediocre as well. But, and a lot of people feel that way about Load and Reload. I think those albums are great. They just don't sound like the 80s Metallica. And guess mm-hmm. what? They're not, they're the 90s Metallica. They should yeah. sound different. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think a, a band evolving is natural. It makes sense. Um, anywho, that's what we've uh, been doing to stay bloody awesome. Uh, Matt's been hanging out with uh, like-minded individuals at a convention. That sounds like a lot of fun. And I've been listening to music alone in my room. Um, that said... <laughs> We will be back next week talking about where the crawdads sing. It is not with the master of puppets. So I will tell you that um, there are no crawdads featured on the master of puppets album it's that I'm aware of. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media uh, on Instagram. We're at bloody awesome movie pod. And on Twitter, Matt controversially, we are at BAMP underscore podcast B a M P underscore podcast. And if you still use Facebook, you can search up Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Uh, me, you can follow at Burke Reviews on all the social media platforms and at BurkeReviews.com. Matt, where can they find you? You can find me, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, and what I watch tonight across all the socials, including Letterboxd. And if you like what we're doing, I mentioned before, please give us that five-star rating. It just helps other people find the show. 
With that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Blood, 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 blood.